and welcome to How To Be Successful with me, Vicky Paul. I'm an intuitive artist, energy healer and author and I'm on a mission to help you live with more joy, purpose and meaning. How To Be Successful is a straight-talking, heartfelt and enlightening podcast full of soul-centred wisdom, home truths, life-changing insights and free-flowing conversations with some of the most inspiring, knowledgeable and honest voices in well-being, spirituality, self-love and personal development. It's a show for people who are no longer satisfied chasing society's version of success because they're ready to embrace their gifts and thrive on their own terms. Episode 5's guest is Sean Patrick, positive psychologist, spiritual seeker and founder of the new age publishing company That Guy's House. His debut book, That Guy Who Loves the Universe, became a bestseller in 2016 and since then he's helped over 100 authors share their stories and books with the world. Later this year his podcast and talk show Chill the F Out with Sean Patrick will go live and he's going to be exploring psychology and spirituality with authors and celebrity guests. His work has been featured on the BBC, Sunday Times and Huffington Post. Sean and I recorded this episode during lockdown over Zoom not long after I published my book How To Be Success Soul. So the audio quality kind of sounds like we recorded it in a toilet. (laughs) However, I hope that it doesn't hinder your enjoyment of this episode because Sean has so many lovely nuggets and it's a great episode if you've ever thought about writing your own book. In his early 20s, Sean moved to Hong Kong. Despite suffering from anxiety, he found himself compelled to travel to the other side of the world. And I was really keen to find out what the moment was that he knew his life had to change. So, you know, it's actually really timely we're having this conversation because it's pretty much 10 years. It's definitely 10 years to the month, but I'm going to guess it's 10 years to the week. Um, where I was, um, I was 21. Mm-hmm. I was uh, recently graduated from university. I had, um, I had a pretty good life. You know, I had a city center apartment. I had a cool job. Um, and it was so many things that on the surface could make me very happy, but there was this gaping sadness, black hole that just, mm-hmm. just surrounded me. And it seemed so out of place. Um, and I do recall, you know, after a, long stretch of um you know just like heartache dissatisfaction anxiety depression social anxiety i mean i just become this bundle and bubble of um of nerves and tension um that i was in my office one day and i was just like i I can't go on anymore now it wasn't as dramatic as thinking i was going to kill myself but it was a case of i literally just picked up my bag ran out of the office looking back maybe it was a panic attack and it wasn't as if i was going home like i said it wasn't like i was going home to kill myself but it was i was fleeing from something Mm -hmm. and i remember because up north we have these beautiful cobble streets up north in england and i crossed over one literally from there to there the length of this room and i really got the intuitive message and i heard it like was it my own thoughts? Was it God? Was it an angel? I, I don't care. I just know that I heard it. And it said, Sean, this is where this is where you fall down, but stick around for where you're going to rise up. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow. And all that anxiety and tension and that bundle of nerves, it just lifted in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and I'm sure this is part two of the conversation, but what happened just around the corner was I was offered a, um, a short-term job contract out in Hong Kong. What was the job that you got offered? Oh, I was, I was t- teaching drama for the Hong Kong Speech and Drama Festival 2010. Wow. Yeah. It was, um, and do you want to know what? It was one of these examples of, you know, it was, um, wasn't a place I'd thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even, I couldn't point to it on a map at that time. And also I was chatting to someone recently about this, you know, for someone who was very tense with anxiety, Hong Kong is the least, <laughs> the least likely um, place to go for a journey of self-discovery. But God had circled it on a map that, um, in the winter of 2010, Sean was going to this hectic little island to have, have one-on-one time with God, and, and that's what happened. And it was wow. everything, and this is, everything was so lined up, like the job contract started the day after my contract in Liverpool ended. My apartment lease ended the day just before my job contract in Hong Kong started. It was lined up seamlessly. <laughs> um, yeah, and then of course, yeah, and just a little quick aside, because I don't want to tell the story inauthentically. I was like, I'm not going. What would I do that for? I was like, I need to just stay where I'm safe. I don't want to do that. And of course, it was just, I mean, I, it was one of those situations where I could kick and scream and protest and rationalize all I wanted. The universe had this seamless mm-hmm. retreat planned out for me. Um, and that was, yeah, 10 years ago, next month is when, is when I set up on that journey. So it's really, it's, it's the entire story of, of my book, That Guy Who Loves the Universe, being that. 22 year old who was so riddled with the fears and anxieties that I think so much I was, I was going to say my generation just so much of everyone lives yeah getting I, I was just taken being picked up taken out of my life mm-hmm. put into a completely foreign situation where I had no choice just to let go of who I'd been like there mm-hmm. wasn't anything there was nothing familiar or comforting around me. And I was working a job. So it, this, this is where God, this is where I said, God knew the perfect retreat for me. It wasn't like I was sitting around thinking, how do I grow my connection to God? How do I ease my anxiety? It was mm-hmm. like I was put into this hectic field of just activity and joy and new friendships and new experiences. And it, it was the only way I could break free from who I'd been by putting into such a foreign situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and had you struggled with sort of anxiety prior to, your late teens early 20s um yeah never diagnosed but i can definitely look back because of course when you're 15 that's all you mm-hmm. know how you mm-hmm. feel yeah but looking back i can definitely see especially in regards to social anxiety like i have very clear like i remember being sat in coffee shops just wanting to speak to my friends and and not just not being able to mm-hmm. or sitting down at a team meeting at work and the ultimate fear of what's going to come around to me and I have to give a a two-minute overview of what's going on in mm. my department. Like, that would keep me awake. Or, yeah, if we were doing, like, because um, I used to, part of my job was, was running the youth theatre, having to make a speech after the show and just saying, mm. thank you for coming, fire exits are there. Oh, that kept me awake for weeks. It was this- Which is amazing, you know, given how riddled with trans, um, you know, anxiety you were and what you do now. And that, that that's why I love these conversations. And that's why I'm so passionate about people reconnecting with their soul self, because we get knocked off course through various, you know, you know, innumerable different ways. You know, when we are young and we kind of lose, not lose our way, but we disconnect with who we are, you know, and when we reconnect back in with that soul aspect of who we are, you know, the transformation is almost like a 180 degree flip, you know, it's, it's incredible, given what you do now and how 
much, you know, your job is public facing and out there and, and talking about your spirituality. You know, it's a lot better now and it's a lot more accepted now. But there's still a bit of a, you know, around the conversation. You have to be brave to do it. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. And you and you've just said it perfectly. It's a disconnection from who you are, because I recall in all of them times of severe social anxiety, just severe just feeling so disconnected, mm-hmm. I knew this wasn't who I was. And I remember, and I never forget this, my, my flatmate at the time, he came to watch He came to watch one of the shows I produced with, with, with the youth theatre, and I had to give the speech afterwards. Um, God, he, don't, he, he, he doesn't even know I remember this. And he said to me, he was like, yeah, you're, you're definitely a backstage person, not a front of house person. And I was like, no, you've got it wrong. I was like, you understand that I am a front of house person. I just... I'm so disconnected from that right now. Mm-hmm. And I never forgot that because that that was shattering to me because I just mm-hmm. knew in myself. And I, did, and I was at drama school for crying out loud. Uh-huh. I knew in myself I was that forward-facing, wanting to chat to people, confident, connected guy. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. just... So it was never like... I, I never identified as being shy, anxious, socially. Um, I was always just like... I'm, I'm currently the absence of who I am, but I never mm-hmm. identified as. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, that's just my personality type. Were you sort of aware of your own spirituality or did you have any, you know, you speak about God um, a lot, you know, and, and there's different names for it, God, source, one, universe, yeah. whatever works for anyone. Um, but were you, is that something that happened to you in Hong Kong or was that something that kind of resurrected itself in Hong Kong or was it all new to you? Oh, no, it wasn't all new to me. And the word I use is the universe, hence mm-hmm. the book, that guy who yeah. the universe. No, I always, I mean, I was, so I was raised a Catholic, so I always had this connection with God. I fell away mm-hmm. from that, you know, early into my teens, but I never lost a sense of that's something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And in my later teens, I began to have a relationship and called it the universe. So mm-hmm. I never doubted that that existed. I never mm-hmm. doubted there was a relationship between me and a, and a cosmic force <laughs> but it was all theory until yeah. Hong Kong so tell us what kind of happened in Hong Kong and then the subsequent months you know that you know and your book and how that all came about um, absolutely the first thing to say is I guess that talking about that crossing that cobble street I guess I couldn't have received that message had I not had some sense of something bigger maybe I could have done Mm-hmm. But it just in regards to, you know, where that resurrected. It was a series of a million little things. And the main thing was being taken out of who I was and getting to be um, and getting to be who I am, so to speak. Mm-hmm. A big thing about that whole journey, though, was I made an entire new friendship circle. I made mm-hmm. an entire new life. I mean, I was, I was in Hong Kong. Um, and that highlighted to me, I actually didn't realize until that point how foreign it was to my system to be so consistently in company that loved and accepted, loved and accepted me for who I was. And that was, mm-hmm. that was a mind funk for my 22 year old self. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm with this person and they just want to know how I'm doing. And there's not any kind of agenda around it. It was mind blowing. So first thing was being really conscious of, of, of the company I kept and who was mm-hmm. in my close circle. Second thing was, good old classic and it's a classic because it's true meditation i was so fortunate one day in one of my very early days um of work there um, an incredible um indian lady said you interested in meditation and prayer i was like yeah i'm interested in meditation and prayer and she took me to um 
the most gorgeous little meditation center. It's the size of a terraced house in Hong Kong. Um, and I went there two, three times a week. And they mm -hmm. taught me a very specific kind of meditation. It was open-eyed meditation. They had a gorgeous mural on the wall with one little tea light. And you sat and focused on that, that being, mm -hmm. the, that being the universe, that being mm -hmm. God, that being you. And you just sat with that. And it wasn't about sitting in silence. It wasn't about trying to quiet your mind. It was something just so pure that you focused on that light and you remembered who you were. Going back to what you were saying, this is all making so much sense to me now. Thank you for this interview. <laughs> it was, um, you know, I am love, I am peace, I am mercy. Uh -huh. um, you know, I'm divine light. It was remembering all them inherent qualities of your uh -huh. soul. And you want to know what? Sitting there doing that three times a week for half an hour, like a workout, it, it got me there. It washed mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what I remember it so much. I've not read my book in a long time, but I remember it so much. <laughs> you know? um, it just washed away the things that weren't so authentically me. And I had this um, really gorgeous poetic moment being the Enneagram type four that I am. Uh -huh. um, I had a friend come visit me a couple months in um, and I was really sad to see her go and it was like goodbye um, and I remember I came out of the underground in Hong Kong and it was just pouring down with rain and I just sat there outside I could have sat inside but it was a poetic moment I just sat there in the rain crying but it was a really happy cry of obviously because uh -huh. I'd seen somebody from home and they'd come into this new world and I'd realised I'd moved on from so much and it was just this metaphorical wash away of, of who I was it was mm -hmm. it was incredible I'll never forget that moment the rest of my mm -hmm. life and it was mm -hmm. sitting in the rain and I've sat in the rain many other times and it was never that poetic yeah um, but it's amazing how the universe creates these scenarios because I believe you know the universe is always trying to knock us back on course but we don't or most of us don't pay attention to all the subtleties and it's not until something either repeats itself or repeats itself until you go oh my god what is going on I'm here again yeah. That you wake it up or you get proper off course yes. and massive transformation and, and that and you've said it there and i think another big lesson for me in that whole situation with Hong Kong, well two things it's twofold now surrender like yeah. that, word, that word has become so overused that i understand anyone listening to this might think oh that word again but hopefully i can drive it home that little bit more whereas i had to surrender to the fact that no matter what i did God had planned, the universe had planned that I was going on this journey. My mm -hmm. lease was up, my job mm -hmm. contract was up, the plane ticket was booked. Mm -hmm. Then when I got there, like I said, I had to surrender to the fact I now need to, I now need to learn how to use an underground system in, in, a, in a Chinese country. Mm -hmm. I now need to, you know, open a bank account. You have to just, you have to, I had to just do. And I think mm -hmm. my personality type specifically, I get out of myself in, in the action, not uh -huh. in the abstract. Yeah, no. yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and it was also though, but outside of the practicalities, it was surrender to the fact, Sean, and it was easy for me at the time, but it's not been as easy ever since I got home. You'll go into that meditation center three times a week and you are sitting with God. And I meditated like, and I meditated every I had a candle in my bedroom, I meditated every morning and every evening without fail for, mm -hmm. wasn't quite four months because I didn't get into, to so just say three months. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so, I mean, you hear it all the time, meditate, 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 but are you doing it twice a day? I did it twice a day consistently mm -hmm. to the point where sometimes I'd get home from work and before I was going to sleep in activity, I was like, oh, I'll sneak in a little, a little meditation. Yeah. I just love it so much. I just loved that time. So meditate. I'm sorry, I'm going on so many things now because I'm thinking of all the lessons I got. Um, 
And the other thing was stop mistaking God for the the grandiose and glamorous. Because mm-hmm. Hong Kong, my, it wasn't glamorous. I was yeah. in a, I was in a small, because like, anyone who's ever been Hong Kong, everything's built up tiny. Yeah. I was in a tiny little bedroom. Literally, you open my door, it hit the bed. Um, you know, eat like I wasn't eating at fancy restaurants. I was riding an underground. It was not glamorous. I remember at one point, like we were sat on a rooftop with friends and we're drinking a beer, and I just thought. This is the closest to God I've ever felt, but I'd always thought God would show up for me in the grandiose and glamorous, mm-hmm. in in like a fame or a <laughs> or you know, God's like God. That's, that's like the Hollywood version of God, isn't it? I thought God, when God was going to show up for me, when the universe was going to show up, it would be very glamorous, and instead, it was the the, the opposite of that. It was in the subtle. So, it's in the real. It's in the real. It's yeah, in the real. real. Yeah, and that's and these. This is what these conversations are about. These are real people who have made massive shifts and massive transformation. And another word, you know, just to go back to the surrender of people really sticking with that trust, because it's all about trust, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's a life journey, and I and I said I don't want to paint an inauthentic picture because there was something. Effectively, I, I was on retreat for four months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't question, I just trusted that, you know, I was, I had a meditation teacher. She said, you know, you sit yourself down every twice a day and do it. Mm-hmm. But I even notice now, and it's been 10 years since that journey and, and I meditate very more often than I don't, but I still have thoughts or I, I have new thoughts that say, well, in them 20 minutes a day, I, I, I was meditating. I could be growing my business. I could be working out. I could be, and actually it's like, what was so great about the naivety of my 22-year-old self, and that's why, you know, you hear, always be the student, always be the student. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, they're telling me to meditate twice a day, so I, I, I got to do it. And my intellect didn't get in the way of, well, I could be doing this, I could be mm-hmm. doing that. What does it add up to anyway? I'll just do a really long meditation on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, I just... I guess as well, though, you were in a space where you were unfolding, you know, and yeah. that's fully immersive, you know, and that level of intensity is, you know, for many people is not realistic because life does get in the way. You know, yeah. so you mentioned a friend came over to Hong Kong. What happened when you came back? Because obviously you were in that bubble, you know, and when you kind of transition or start to transition back into the, the mind, body, soul connection, it is all consuming and it is a bit of a bubble, you know, and you could stay there forever, you know, but you get, you, you know, we're here to have a human experience, a physical yeah. experience, we get zapped back into life. So what happened, you know, and how did the book come about? Oh, so um, when I came back, I mean, thank God, the experience had been that explicitly, palpably transformative to me. (laughs) And I was very aware of how unhappy I'd been previously. I came back actively protecting my my new self. And that was the important thing. So it was, like I said, it was friendships I wasn't going to have anymore. It was activities I wasn't going to engage in anymore. And it was looking for you know, a life's work I was going to pursue that wasn't just having a job. How was that? I just want to just when you're talking about that, you know, when you when you came back transformed or on the journey to transformation, everything stayed the same. So how was that? Do you know, did you end relationships? How did your family take you? What what was that experience Um, like? I mean, I think it was there was I guess at the beginning there was little blows to my system, but only minor where I was like Mm. The other people in my life, not that they haven't transformed, but they'd be in the same place. Mm-hmm. I almost could bet they hadn't been on the journey I'd been on, I'll put it that yeah. way. But also, 
<laughs> there was this naive part of me which was like everyone's going to be like oh my god you changed but I, it was all internal so you know it couldn't you know yeah. and, and I, I just gave up very quickly this hope that my change was going to be recognized and celebrated and I was like well that's fine it keeps it safer I guess so how was that it was once again a very private journey of subtly making decisions and subtly doing things that were more in line with with who I was and that that also came down to um six seven months later I mean Mm -hmm. I really felt this connection to pursue a life's work that was meaningful to me just in that bravery and that connection I was like I I gotta go to New York I was like (laughs) I know it's so crazy and even yeah I was like and um and and there was this um you know there was this book writing um workshop that was happening in New York I'm sure there was loads in England but I I had my eyes set on that one in New York well listen um, you've been to Hong Kong you needed to go somewhere for the next bit yeah. um, so anyway I went so I, I went to New York City once again my 23 year old self at that point brave packed a bag rented rented a place in Brooklyn I stayed there for a couple of weeks because I was going on these writing writing which specifically about mind body spirit writing okay um, and yeah i and that was the next phase of my journey where i started to um pet pen a book about that experience <laughs> i had i knew it was so profound either way i wasn't ever going to let that not be immortalized so i started getting <laughs> this book um i went to new york um i was then connected back to publishers in london um and, and you know over the course of time i I wrote this book, which changed a lot, which took a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Um, How long did it take you to write the book? Five years, but I was not writing that book every no. day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I, I, I think people don't realise, you know, I remember hearing once J.K. Rowling from when she first, and I probably was pen to paper back in the day, but I first went on her typewriter till it was published. That was a 10-year period. Yeah. And people don't realise, you know, and I myself, I was five years, you know, from the first concept. Yeah. You know, to get into the zone. So that's interesting you said five years as well. Oh, yeah, no, it it was five years. But I do remember at one point there was a publisher looking at the book who was like, we need a manuscript in two weeks. So a lot of that first draft was done. But yeah, so there was like six-month periods I wasn't touching it. But yeah, yeah, that book. And I returned to Hong Kong multiple times Mm -hmm. to... um, to write that book as well like mm-hmm. there was trips I took there was times I went out there to speak to some of the people who'd been so transformative like my meditation teacher mm-hmm. so I could mm-hmm. really enrich that in the book mm-hmm. so yeah it was a five-year period um and I mean to jump to the next part of the story um I'd been back and forth with multiple publishers I had a great literary agent out in San Diego and for some reason or another this um publishing deal with publishing houses wasn't wasn't coming to be and I can still look back and say it was making no sense to me I had the followers I had the endorsements I had the manuscript I had it and then of course the the surrender and um, mm-hmm. I was blogging at the time I had a blog called that guy who loves the universe that's mm-hmm. why the book was called what that's why the book is called what it's called that's where I have the following anyway I'm back and forth back and forth I wasn't getting this publishing deal with various publishers and I really wanted it and I thought I had a great strong case mm-hmm. and I just remember the day I got a note from a publisher that said and then this is I said it's been a long time like, are you sure you don't want to change the book to more of like a 10 tips for overcoming anxiety and to me that was just a surrender moment where I said no no I don't this is the spiritual memoir mm-hmm. of 
overcoming who I was and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous and I love it so much and I'm gonna and I said I, I guess I'm gonna self-publish because we've been going back and forth for years I didn't want to just self-publish because I'd been so close with publish with publishers that I set up that guy's house my publishing company based on that guy who loves the universe with the sole intention of publishing my book and my book only mm-hmm. um so I set up that guy's house. I set up the company. I bought the ISBNs. I secured the distribution just for my one little book. And of course, here we are three years later with multiple authors, international. And that was once again, the same grace the universe showed me by saying, forget your job, forget your apartment, you go into China. It said to me, forget the publishers, forget the agent, you're doing this yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing when you reconnect with soul self, You know, I believe we have all the wisdom because we come here with a, you know, it's like a blueprint. I don't want to say it's a path or a very fixed path, but we come here to evolve, expand. And there there are points in that journey that we are supposed to be at. How we get to it is, you know, that's the joy of being a human and picking, you know, using free will. But it's interesting when you reconnect, it's kind of like, even though the information that's coming into you is so far removed or so random or so out there or so, you know, oh my God, really? You're doing what? Mm. But you just know, you just know the doubt disappears. Absolutely. And that is, if that's a skill I could grant anybody with, yeah, it would be that because, for example, when I talk about New York, I mean, Hong Kong, I was like, I was looking for someone to give me a reason not to go. <laughs> but New York, for example, that was even more random. I wasn't going out for a job, I, but I just knew I was like, listen, I'm, I'm meant to go to New York. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, what are you going to do about it? You're going to tell me it's the wrong decision. You're going to tell me it's too much money. You're going to tell me it's unsafe. But it, it was irrelevant because I just knew Mm-hmm. That was that was a trip I had to take, mm-hmm. um, and I've said this to people in the past. If they're like, you know, if they, you know, all the authors I work with, I'm like, just give yourself permission to write the book you want to write, because mm-hmm. if you start writing the book thinking someone's going to think that, someone's going to say that, someone's going to accuse me of this, mm-hmm. unless you can go and what. You're not writing the book you're meant to write. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think yeah. there's a book? You know, they talk about there being a book in everyone. Do you think every? I mean, everyone's got a story. I believe that. You know, but whether yeah. you know everyone's got a and stories connect people. You know, and it's you know top tips don't bring a story to life. Top tips don't allow somebody to resonate and and see themselves in your journey and your story. So you know, good on you for sticking to that one. Um, but do you think there's a book in everyone? I absolutely do. And what I will say is, it's a it's a marathon to write a book. <laughs> yeah, um, I think in everybody. I mean, I'm I'm never gonna bear or birth children, but I do use that as my analogy. Like it's a long journey. It's a it's painful and messy, and and you do it. So I do think there's a book in everyone. But no, I don't think everybody should choose to go on that journey because it can mm-hmm. take it out of you. Mm-hmm. The same way everyone doesn't choose to be a parent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I do think that a book takes it out of you. Um, it's more guts. It's more guts than glory. It really is. I had to write that. I had to share these experiences and lessons. And it, it was just like something, once again, surrender. If I hadn't wrote that book, I'd still be sat here now mm-hmm. wishing I'd wrote that book. I'd still be mm-hmm. sat here thinking about writing mm-hmm. that book. Mm-hmm. So you write a book because you have to, but if you are writing a book, 
because otherwise there's many other more enjoyable ways you can spend your time. You know, how did you get from accreditation from the British Psychological Society? So I just want to touch on that because it's very different from being a publisher, you know, and I understand that you're an advocate for mental health because that was your own personal experience. But how did that all, you know, you talked about drama. So there's, you know, is there a thread that runs through it that you can see now? Yeah, so I am, yeah, I was a drama student. Um, wanted to be an actor but decided very close into drama school that was not that was not the path for me with my current level of resiliency and mental health mm-hmm. so um so yeah that that wasn't happening. but so i did but i did focus on towards the end of my drama degree um doing theater for wellness mental health and happiness so okay that theme was always in my life that interest mm-hmm. in human psychology mm-hmm. then i did a master's degree in psychology and my research paper was on the correlation between spiritual intelligence, emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and flourishing. So wonderful! Was, uh-huh. It was so wonderful, and that was and that that was my research. And you know, it went on to the research showed that um, spiritual intelligence was the strongest correlation out of mm-hmm. three variables to mm-hmm. flourishing, which is op- optimum well-being, which was the result I wanted because. You know, I was. I thought it would be a case of emotional intelligence is a thing, or even you know, everyone talks about mindfulness these days. But <laughs> in the research I carried out, um, showed that actually being able to find me personal meaning production, <laughs> which is the subsection of the spiritual <laughs> intelligence measure I used, was just if you if you want a flourishing life, personal meaning production, the ability <laughs> to produce meaning in what you do. And, and, and then, yeah, that, that research was, was accredited. Um, I'm not a psychologist in terms of a therapist, but um, as a researcher who, yeah, I'm a researcher in psychology. But it just shows you how, you know, and, and there's a, 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 an organization that I actually found on the Instagram called Squiggly Careers, you know, and it just really, I love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You start, and I'm the same, you know, you kind of like, you're all over here and then you go way back over there and then you... And this is the thing for me, because there's so much pressure on you when you're younger to what do you want to be doing when you grow up? You know, you've got to pick the exams that you want to go and do. And if you don't want to do exams or that's not your 40, then, OK, well, you're going to fail because you're not going to go and study and go to uni. How the heck do you know what you want to do when you're oh 30, 40, 50, 60, even when you're 25? Do you know what I mean? Even when you're doing you know what? Because I, I went so I had to pick my uni choice when I was 17 um, and I uh-huh. chose this community theatre degree. And like I said, it, it worked out because I got to do this theatre for emotional health towards the uh-huh. end. But yeah, I mean, had I gone to uni a couple of years later, at one point I would have chose journalism. Uh-huh. At one point I would have chose publishing. I would yeah. have chose PR. Yeah, so it is squiggly careers. And I think I, I am trying to find the through line. I'm currently, I'm currently writing, acting, and producing a one-man show about like a spiritual guru who finds emotional health. <laughs> so that is, that really is the meeting, that is the Venn diagram of all my things. Communication. Um, yes. So Communication. I'm not, and I've not acted in, until last summer, I haven't acted in, what, nine, nine years. So I am, I am acting again, but I'm purposely mm-hmm. creating a show around mm-hmm. this spiritual world. So I think, yeah, I, I love, and I really, and this is a conversation I have with my boyfriend all the time. It's like, how do I hone everything I do into, into the one thing that I say I do? Um, I, I, I don't think you do. And, you know, we had this, you very kindly set up um, a Zoom call with Robert Holden, you know, and, and he spoke about this. You know, one of the other authors had said, you know, how do I make this work? Because I'm this, 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 you know, you, the, 
society tries to put us in a box because that's how we are controlled. That's how the system works. You know, it's not supposed to be like that. You're not supposed to be in a box. You know, we are multidimensional beings. We have many gifts and talents and you're supposed to explore all of them. Well, I do intuitive work and I do painting. I'm an artist and I write, you know, and I take workshops and I talk to people and I want to do this. You know, the world, this is where the abundance stuff comes from. You know, you can do anything and all of it. Um, You know, whether you do all of them, you know, well or to the extent that you want to do them, that's, you know, that's up to you. You know, but I just want to kind of just go back very quickly to that transition into setting up a publishing company because it's quite easy, in inverted commas, to sell publish you know there's lots of people self-publish and have some success with self-publishing so not everybody goes well if I can't do that I'll just set up the company (laughs) where did that come from it was because I had been so close to a traditional publishing deal and I wanted that for so many reasons like and it obviously like I I didn't come back from Hong Kong healed I came back from Hong Kong much more aware and peaceful I was looking for validation from something external um I wanted the community that I thought, I thought, you know, all the authors will get together and we'll be best friends. I guess I was looking for that more so than a book being Uh available. Like I said, when it came to deciding that I was going to set up a company and and self-publish and distribute the book, I I was literally creating my own little home that that was empty at that point. I didn't even have any intention of filling it with people, Mm -hmm. but it was creating a house, literally a house where I guess I felt my work could be expressed and it belonged to something. Mm -hmm. I don't quite know if I'm answering your question. No, you have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting, again, that abundance mindset, you know, when you're on the flow and in the path and, you know, aligned with spirit, stuff just happens. You know, you probably never even thought, you know, five years ago, I'm going to own a publishing house and I'm going to publish, you know, hundreds of different authors, all in the spiritual. Yes. And even today, I think, what, when did I, when did that happen? I'm like, I never once thought or strategized I'm going to be a publisher. Uh-huh. Literally, I set it up to publish my book. A couple months later, two people asked me if I'd help mentor them to release their book under mm-hmm. that guy's house. Because I had spare ISBNs. I bought 10 yeah. and I two. And I was like, sure, I can work with, I can work with another handful of authors. And they always, every time, every time I put in the ISBN order, I always think, wow, because I started out with 10 Mm-hmm. And that was just to publish my book. And then I helped out a few people. And every time I put in an order to buy to buy ISBN, which is the book, book international book standard number, mm-hmm. to publish a book, I think, wow, it's like, how, how are we here again needing to buy more ISBNs? But it was just going to be me. So that's always a nice moment for me. Oh, I love, I, I, I love it. I love yeah. hearing that kind of story because... This is what happens, you know, and I always tell this to clients when I do, I do soul purpose readings and help people to reconnect with their purpose and meaning, you know, their life purpose. Um, and I always say to people, when you're on the path, you can you cannot today dream up what is going to happen to you in the future when you're back on path. You couldn't imagine where your life is going to go. And that's where that ultimate trust comes in, where you just go, do you know, I'm just going to keep taking today at every day as one new day, one new day, and just see what comes up. And it's amazing. It's amazing. And I will really hone in on that because I think so many of us who are in this spiritual world, there's there's two paths our ego can take or our mind can take because the ultimate path is the universe anyway. Mm -hmm. But I do think there is that I can't imagine what life's going to unfold for me. I'll show up every day, that path of surrender. Mm -hmm. And all too often I see 
you know, a path of strategy. Like mm-hmm. this is what I want. And, and honestly, I'm going to say this, and maybe I'll, I don't want to be quoted on this, but I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> and that's the difference between enlightenment and empowerment. And I don't think either one is not a state you get to stay in. Mm-hmm. But I really do believe it's very empowering to say, this is what I want. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to harness mm-hmm. the powers of the universe and I'm going to make it happen. But it's empowerment at best. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think what we're all looking for is something better than that, which mm-hmm. is that enlightened journey of dear universe, you tell me. And I really, yeah. and I, this is this is a recent lesson to me. This is um, even just going back to like last summer. I've been so allured by empowerment so many times, mm-hmm. but just found so much comfort and release in in a more enlightened way, a more mm-hmm. surrendered mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I always, gosh. Um, Effectively, I, Byron Katie is my ultimate teacher. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I just really want to be like the Marianne Williamson, Tony Robbins, who is like, this is what I'm going for. This is what I stand for. And actually, and I, I can get behind that for a short time, and I'm not discrediting the work they do. They're incredible. Um, but their, and, their, and their path doesn't bring me as much comfort leaning into, I, I'm, here to, I'm here to be helpful. Mm-hmm. What can I do today? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, we are... You know, multidimensional beings, you know, at a a base level for me, you know, we're the kind of energetic being, we're the soul, the spirit being, and then we're the human incarnation of that. So the human is the empowerment side of us, you know, and the spiritual and the soulful self is this enlightenment. So you are going to naturally go from one to the other because we're soul in a human, having a human experience. You know, we chose to do the physical stuff. It's really about finding the balance and the flow between all aspects of ourselves and drawing on the strengths and the stability in the mind, in the body, and in the soul, and being able to flow seamlessly back and forward and use all of that. Because at the moment, you know, the world is really forcing us to stay in mind, body, mind, body, mind, body. You know, there's definitely shifts happening. And, you know, everybody you speak to in in this realm, I guess, uh, you know, the spiritual world, and those incidentally had a really interesting conversation uh, with some people yesterday who I would not have taken as you know, kind of spiritual junkies, but they said, there's a big change, you know, the pandemic, it's changed things. And we are really beginning, you grow up and things change. And I was kind of like, ooh. Yes. <laughs> it's oh, you're so, <laughs> and, yeah, and thank you for that. I'm really going to take that. It's like, it's so funny because I use the word mind, body, spirit, like uh, an ambiguous term, but actually the way you said it, they're, they're three powerful words. And mm-hmm. like I was saying, like, Byron Katie, Tony Robbins, Byron. Actually, uh-huh. it, is, it is that, um, it is all three. Yeah. We so need to I do really... what he did with Brangelina and it's by Robbins. By yeah, Robbins. that's what I mean. You need that to is be what I mean. Yeah, because, yeah, that is what I need. And I, and I do flutter between the, yeah, so I appreciate that it is a cross. Yeah, thank you. Exactly. For no worries. Would there be something at this point in your life that, you know, if you could tell your younger self, you know, or do you still feel there's unfolding to go and, and you're not ready there to inform, you know, your younger self or, or, or is the wisdom built enough within you? Oh, you hats on. oh, no, I can definitely say some things to my younger self. And I will say be authentic. And that's once again, something that is only in the abstract. What I mean specifically for me was um, as soon as I became a spiritual teacher or blogger or speaker, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so I'm not an actor anymore. Whereas actually, 
last summer I realized I really missed something. What is it? Oh, it's acting. And then I started acting again. I'm like, well, this is some of the most intense meditative experiences I've had. That's my example. But what I'm saying is don't put yourself in a box, which is, gosh, it's so bizarre because I'm trying to find that box to put myself in. But actually, thanks to this conversation, be all of your unique things. Like I remember speaking with publishers and it was like, so tell me about what you do. I didn't say anything about the drama or the drama degree or the fact that I had theater for emotional health. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is how I'm going to show you I'm a spiritual teacher. Whereas mm-hmm. actually what makes you so nuanced is everything. Um, I guess that's my big lesson now, which I'm still unfolding. We chat about it live here on this call is there are multiple aspects of you and it's okay to be them all. Mm-hmm. And I'm still learning that, but I definitely don't have regrets. Maybe I do have regrets, but I do think in nine years, I didn't pick up a script or read a play. I, I'm like, whoa, that's, that breaks my heart. So, mm-hmm. and I'm sure like, if you spent nine years not painting, you'd be like, what? Well, to be honest, I did. Oh, wow. You know, okay. I, I did. You know, I, I painted, um, you know, all the time. And then my Papa, so my granddad died, um, so he had cancer and was in hospital and he had false teeth and obviously with the morphine at the end and, you know, he, he they took his teeth out and I remember when the night he died, they took his teeth out and he was, yeah. you know, kind of sunk in and I went home um, after saying goodbye to him and I painted Edvard Munch's The Scream about four or five times, different colours, different versions, but always the same and then I did not paint for years mm. um, and it wasn't until but I found different outlets for my creativity and you know, I sang I wrote poetry you know I was a radio presenter for many years so I still like you needed that I guess performance element of it you know yeah. and this is a performance and, th- and then I started to have all these kind of funky experiences when my mental and emotional health wasn't at, at its best after I lost a career quite abruptly mm. and it always came into my head that it was the same papa that I had watched pass away he was trying to get a hold of me and now when I look back that kind of profound experience led me on my own journey of you know inquiry you know into spirituality and even deeper you know the sort of psychic and mediumship side of things and he got me painting again yeah. you know it was a kind of combination of that and also we suffered a number of miscarriages and I felt you know, you talk about birthing the book being birthing. You know, I felt that I was denied the ability to, to be a woman and a mother and, and, and produce, you know, have the ultimate creation in, in bringing a child into this world. And that's how, I mean, it sounds quite, whoa. Um, and it probably wasn't at the time, but it was just my way of creating and expressing myself. Um, you know, and that's how I now paint, Yeah, you know, so, but I don't want to give up one, you know, one of the, the, the guy I was talking about earlier on, um, that wasn't quite as spiritual as he probably let on. Um, you know, he said to me, what do you prefer? I, you know, I couldn't just pick one. You know, I wouldn't be satisfied if I just painted all the time. I wouldn't be satisfied if I just wrote books all the time. I wouldn't yes. be satisfied if I didn't work with people, you know, from a soul coaching point of view. It has to be all of the above. But I don't think that's the end of it. You know, for me, I'm like, well, what more can I do? What more can I share? How can I reach different people in different ways? So here's your opportunity to plug if anyone does want to find out either about you and the work that you do um, or indeed if they're interested in becoming an author, how do they get in touch with you? Incredible. So the publishing house is called That Guy's House. And if you um, are, if you do have a book idea in you and you want to submit it to us, you can do that just through authors at thatguyshouse.com, A-U-T-H-O-R-S. Hope I spelled that right. Um, and to follow my work, it is um, 
best because there's a million Sean Patricks in the world. That guy who loves the universe. That is that is me. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you'd like to find out more about today's guest, then please check out the show notes. And if you'd like to connect with me, then head over to my website, vickypaul.com, or you can find me on Instagram at vickyjpaul. Why not take advantage of a special subscriber-only 10% discount off my personalised soul portraits and intuitive readings? All you need to do is get in touch using the promo code PODCAST21. That's PODCAST21. And don't forget, you can buy my book, How to Be Successful, available anywhere that you buy books, or you can also get it via the link in the show notes. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And please continue to share this podcast with anyone you think might find it useful. I'd also really love if you could write a review because that helps myself and my guests get discovered by more kindred spirits. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.